0: companion this is episode 67 I'm your host Brian Williams I am Adam Caesar I'm Stephen Embry and today we're discussing next gen's third season woohoo we made it uh, first <laughs> episodes uh, evolution the ensigns
1: of command and the survivors here we go <laughs> Evolution, season three, episode one, production number one fifty, original air dates, September 25th, 1989. Directed by Winrick Colby, story by Michael Pillar and Michael Wagner, teleplay by Michael Pillar, music composed by Ron Jones. Guest cast include Ken Jenkins as Paul Stubbs, Whoopi Goldberg as Gynan, Mary McCusker as nurse, Randall Patrick as Crewman One, and Majel Barrett as Computer Voice. <laughs>
2: Dr. Paul Stubbs has come aboard the Enterprise to study the explosion of a star in the Cavus Alpha sector, which occurs only 196 years. As the crew prepares to launch Stubbs Research Unit, the ship is suddenly drawn into a fiery path of stellar matter. The Enterprise computer initially fails to respond to commands to stabilize, yet even after the ship is restored to normal, the computer reports no malfunction.
0: You are very strange-looking. Creatures.
2: In our travels, we've encountered many other creatures, perhaps even stranger looking than ourselves. But we tried to coexist peacefully with them.
0: Why did you attack us? We misinterpreted your actions as an attack on us. All right, season three. So, um, <laughs> I, I maybe I'm starting to sound like a, a broken record, but you know, as, as next gen goes on there are those episodes or you know, they make changes that are, it's getting it more and more to the show that I think of Next Gen as being
1: Mm -hmm, Mm
0: -hmm. um, and I think it's pretty much this is it, we're there now and the tiny remaining things that need to happen are all pretty much going to happen this season I mean, this is it, season three this season is widely regarded a lot of people think this is the best season of Next Gen Um, that might be true, it's certainly got a lot of very strong, like you know, standout individual episodes. Um, but more than anything, uh, you know, Michael Piller is coming on in this season. He's coming on here. In fact, he he wrote this script in particular um, that um, uh, sold him um, it, very quickly. Within a few weeks from this episode's script, I think that he's going to he's going to become like kind of the the, the head writer. He's going to run the show. Well. Rick Roman runs the show, but he's going to run the writer's room, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. From now on, the show is going to be uh, characters first. As I mentioned, it's, it's turning now. It's going to start turning into, you know, like, I don't know, Ensigns of Command. That's a data show. You mm-hmm. know, it's going to be that kind of thing. There are going to be shows about our characters. So we get hints of that in this episode, um, such as, you know, individual character moments where we're learning about Crusher um, they still spend a fair amount of time with um, kind of the guest star, uh, you know. But we're like I said, we're getting there, and it's good. And by the end of this season. That's it. It, it. This is the next gen that we that I know and love, anyway. Um, lots of other little changes, of course. Um, Caesar and Steve's favorite thing, the collars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you get um, Dr. Crusher's return. Uh, she returns because um, you know, it was Burn Berman and a little Roddenberry that fired her, but you know, a fan letter writing campaign that kind of brought her back. They they like to say that, but I think it also had something to do with the fact that they never felt like um uh Pulaski really worked out. mm mm-hmm. Um I don't know how I feel about that it, it, it feels right that she's there Her son is there She has this relationship with the characters This pre-existing relationship um, So it, It's hard to like look back Knowing that she's going to be on the rest of the show And in the movies and stuff And see any other choice But mm-hmm. uh, You know how, how do you guys feel about that?
1: Yeah, I know it's it's very difficult to be unbiased about this with having the history we have now with her and so on. But I, I, I am I was immediately reminded of the chemistry that that she and Picard have, and and that how I, I always wished they would have gone a little further with it in some respect. But um, but yeah, yeah I, I like her. I like the character.
2: Yeah. I think that- go ahead. Oh, uh, wasn't Marina Spears? Wasn't she happier to have her back? And it, I think I heard some things where season two was kind of lonely for her because she didn't have any other girls to talk to. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so it is, uh After um, after uh, Denise Crosby split, and then Crusher, or you know, uh, McFadden was fired. She, she, you know, yeah, she sure. didn't have much. <laughs> didn't have anybody to hang out with, I guess. <laughs> um. Well, that's another thing we're going to get from Season 3 is we're going to kind of advance uh, uh, Troy and Riker's relationship a little bit here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the, the biggest change, though, definitely is, is adding Michael Piller. Lots of other little changes. They even changed the opening titles just a little bit. Um, just little stuff like that. Um, but more than anything, the show is going to start turning into shows about characters rather than a uh, problem of the week. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to make it a good show and, you know, as I've mentioned, I, I really feel like th- if it's a good episode in the first couple of seasons, it's kind of a, an anomaly, you know, and it's it's different from the rest of the episodes and now we're going to start getting into Star Trek The Next Generation where the anomalies are the bad ones. right? Right, right. Um, yeah,
2: Um, I kind of noticed it right off the bat. There was a little bit more. It felt like there was a little bit more sophistication. And I know you, you like to make fun of Steve and I about the collars, but I mean, it, no, it's a little bit. Right. It's so much better to look at. Yeah, it's, It looks really. They look. They're in pajamas. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. you know. I mean, they're still basically in the same uniform, but I mean, there's just you know it, this, just the look and the feel actually even feel a little tighter and cleaner. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, I caught that a lot from initially watching this um this first episode. It just everything felt just a little bit like they put a little bit more effort into it, you know, just money wise structure and everything.
0: Well, you know, you, So let's look at the scene the uh character bits, right? So we get we it just seems like an immediate change. Like Doctor Crusher, she's back, which by the way, this was the second episode filmed for the season, but they, they aired it first. Mm-hmm. I never really found out why usually almost every time they air stuff out of order, it's because an episode has more visual effects work than usual, and it takes them longer so they'll slide it back. It didn't seem like instance of command would be that case, and i and I did research and nowhere could I find out why exactly they aired this one first, but maybe it's as simple as it has the the crusher is back lines, you know yeah mm-hmm. makes sense makes some sense um in next gen true next gen fashion they it's almost by you know it's it's barely there it's just a couple of very brief scenes but it you know there's enough and it's more than enough it's more than we would have gotten in the original series <laughs> you know right right um so we almost immediately have character stuff though so we have Dr. Crusher goes and and speaks with Picard and she speaks you know in a more of a character way and 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 Picard has a line to her he says you know I know it was hard for you being away and then she asks him to tell her about her son, um, you know. And that whole scene is the kind of scene that I don't think we would have gotten earlier in Star Trek: The Next Generation. They just—they wouldn't even just—they just wouldn't even have conceived of it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like that's not—and I'm sure to an extent some of that is. You have to get to know the like the writers need to get to know the characters and and before they can have these kind of character moments. To an extent, that's going to be true, and they're not going to really know who they are until they see what the actors bring to those characters. Mm-hmm. That's true, and that's going to be true for any show, and I understand that. When it when a show comes out of the gate with stuff like that, it's it's really unusual. Um, and certainly nobody was doing that in 1987. Um, so it's not that I'm falsing it. I'm just saying, hey, I'm excited that we're not at Season 3. I'm excited that now it's going to be stuff like You know, uh, Picard telling Crusher, you know, I know it was hard for you being away. So we get a fair amount of character stuff. We get uh, even with uh, even with our guest star uh, Stubbs, the scientist. (laughs) Stubbs the scientist. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a um, a video game called Stubbs the Zombie, which is popular. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Even with him, you know, we get he's there in a way to advance one of our main characters yeah so he's there and he's he's shedding light on wesley and and it's small but you know crusher is talking about i'm worried about him i'm worried about wesley um you know is studying is spending too much time studying and and working and he's not he's not becoming more of a you know, a, a nuanced person, a well-rounded person, and and you've got Stubbs saying to Wesley, you know, uh, you're going to be me in, you know, 30 years or something. Uh, you're, yeah, the well, one, you're the one, the Then you and you're going to have to live up to that. And and you know, how are you going to do that? What are you going to become? Um, so there is even kind of a relationship there. The point is that the the guest star is. The point is that it's not about um i don't know let's get extreme go back to the first season uh you guys can remind me of the name of the episode the one with the ambassador that's like getting younger because of the drug he's taking yeah yeah, yeah. you know um, there's an episode that is completely coming, of
1: age, maybe, or coming of age
0: it it's about that character yeah right but here we bring on the guest star and he is in a way about our main character wesley you know, and that is much more satisfying and now it's still this this episode has some problems and I think the main problem is that it's not enough in that direction mm-hmm. you know it still feels weird there's like a whole scene of Stubbs by himself uh, a couple of those you know in his quarters or something So it, it's still going to have some issues but just the general concept is that we're we are once and for all moving in this direction of making the show more about our characters uh, and that's what Michael pillar is bringing to it and in a way because Michael pillar, You know, Ira Bear is going to come on later in this this season, and that's kind of what Michael Pillar is going to drive home. And then, you know, he's going to help make DS9, and and uh, from now on, that's more of what Star Trek is going to be in in DS9 and Voyager. And uh, I, you know, I love I love Next Gen, but I'll I'll even take I'll, I'll take a, a very average episode of Voyager over most of the episodes of the first two seasons of Next Gen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and probably a lot of people would agree with me on that. So I'm, I'm kind of monopolizing the conversation here, and I'm spending a little bit more time talking in a general way about season three. But I think this episode has exact scenes that um, exemplify why the show is about to get really good, even if this exact episode you know, maybe misses the mark a little bit. I think this episode comes off as, as fine. It, it's got a couple of nice moments. There's a couple of cool like things in it um i'll pause here and let you guys interject your your thoughts you, you kind of agree with this idea of, of season three being the beginning of what we think of as next gen oh yeah yeah uh-huh. of
2: course yeah well you know that the big difference so far from this from next gen and what you know what we talked about with with ds9 you know every opening episode it seemed like every opening episode from the season of, of deep, deep space nine was um a continuation from the previous season. Um, now we'll get that going from this season into four. But I mean, every, it's you know every episode is just kind of like a standalone episode, and, and that's kind of what this is. Um, but it, this is a solid episode. You know, when we get to what it's about, I think there's a, truly something we can talk about there. Um, um, I agree with you about it's got c- good character development. Um, it's a good story for the most part. It's interesting. Um, you know, it's not anything. You know, extraordinary as far as Star Trek goes, but it's it's solid. Um, um, I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting because, like the plot, the actual story of this episode is pretty forgettable to me. Mm -hmm. But why is the episode okay? Why is it better than episodes from the first couple of seasons that probably have more, way more memorable plots? Uh, Because it's about characters. Yeah, because it has character moments. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's something that. You know, the themes that that resonate and, and withstand the test of time. Uh, character arcs, you know, character advancement. These are the kind of things that hold up. Um, and they're the kind of things that we can relate to at, at any time. You know, decades from now, still, that's going to be the case. Um, and, and that's why it's... And again I'm just I'm excited to'm I'm, I'm excited to watch some of these episodes in a way that I, I haven't been for a while right mm-hmm. so that's cool that's cool um, but there are there are some cool things in it um, I really like the they they don't do a lot with it but I, I love how data makes contact with these little nanites and then they take over his body a little bit that's a like cool kind of sci-fi thing it did remind me a little bit of an episode that I really love. That's gonna come later and do this same kind of storyline, I think way better, as far as this this B storyline with the with the nanites. Um you're becoming sentient. What's the name of that the episode where Data is trying to save those little probe robot guys?
2: Oh, I know what you're talking about. Though. I can't
0: mm-hmm. remember the name of that one, but that's yeah. A, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's that's much later. That's gotta be four, five, or six, but mm-hmm. anyway. About the Exobots, I think they're called. Um,
1: Exocomps. Yeah, Excellent I don't remember that the name of the episode is, though. I think,
0: yeah, yeah I remember really loving that episode, and I think it kind of deals with this same concept of yeah. these little guys that we created have become sentient, and now we're going to need to treat them. So they, they barely even kind of, it feels like they barely even touch on that, um, and that you would think that would be something that would be way more remarkable. Like, like they would be going, holy crap, you're saying these nanites have become sentient? Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, they don't do that at all. It's just like, oh, okay, they're sentient, so let's not kill them right now. Um so yeah, maybe that weakens it a little bit at least in the, in the in the light of that episode of episodes later they're gonna deal with that that better. So in in some ways I think that the episode it feels like a little bit of an odd opener for mm-hmm. the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I get it in my head that season openers have to be something different, but sometimes I guess I do.
1: Well, because usually they are. I mean this is probably this may be the last episode like this that we in, in Star Trek going forward that is that opens a season that doesn't either continue off another season or have something significant to do. like they introduce some mm. thing, a character, a new ship. Um, there's some big story or they have a multiple part thing to start the season with stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that, but you're probably right. I, I can't really think of another season opener after this where they don't do something. Mm. Even DS9, which never really had, you know, to be continued season cliffhangers, they still always open their seasons with something.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, something know. big.
0: Yeah, like like the three-parter in season two, or the, the I don't know, the Defiant. Yeah, so, yeah, you're right. That's a good
1: point.
2: Yeah, if you were watching, if you saw this episode, um, you know, like on cable somewhere, you wouldn't think of it as yeah, a have- season. You would think of it as somewhere in the middle.
1: Yeah, yeah. Unless you just happen to catch those lines with Crusher and Picard and all that, you know. Yeah. Well,
2: this is another
0: nice thing too. One last thing I want to say before we maybe go to what it's about, but um, I, I've all, I've, I'm on record here as saying I, I like Wesley and I like him on this show, um, even though I know a lot of fans never cared for him. Um, but this is a an example of a Wesley thing that I that that I enjoy. Um, that never feels, cause there, there are plenty of times when we have Wesley episodes that, that feel, uh, forced or like, how is this kid? in there? you know, I don't feel like that in here. I, you know, definitely. I, I, I think the only like great Wesley episodes are probably the ones after he leaves the show and comes back, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is odd, but maybe it just meant they only had one or two good stories per season for the character. Um, but I like those episodes a lot once he's gone. Um, this is an example of using him in a way that
1: that um, feels right for this show. Anyway, excuse me. Um... Oh, one, so, little, one little fun thing I want to throw in that I just observed that caught me funny, perhaps it didn't, I don't know if it caught you guys funny, it was the uh, stunt acting for the Stubbs character that, at the top when the ship starts getting... Oh, up. he's landing. <laughs> I mean, he's like bouncing off, like it's like a pinball machine. He's off the wall, and then he's in the thing, and then he's <laughs> yeah, on the ground. And it's
0: not like everybody else on the bridge has belts. <laughs> <laughs> So shouldn't they be, yeah... Mm. Yeah, and he's got like his belly down, I think, so you can't see his, which makes him look even sillier, so that you just don't see his face maybe, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, when we get to the next episode, that 80-yard thing, oh, I'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You just remind me of that. Um, and so what's this episode about, guys?
2: Um, I kind of felt like it was about, you know, the Stubbs line, you know, about meeting your potential. Um, coming, it's kind of a coming of age potential type thing. Like I said, it's definitely a Wesley <laughs> episode, and um, him becoming um, becoming more of an adult and more responsible. We see that with his mom. We see that with Stubbs, and um, you know him taking responsibility for um, his mistake. You know, there's there's several scenes throughout. Even one, there's even one with Guinan, where they're talking about you know becoming responsible and that kind of stuff, and coming of age. Yeah,
1: if I yeah, I would I would agree with that. And if anything else, I think um maybe the notion of one doesn't always you, you don't always know the potential for better or for worse of of life of your own creation, of your children so on and so forth, you know. They kind of have to um make their own way, but um Obviously you don't know how quickly that's gonna happen or in what direction it's gonna take and so on. I don't know. I think that that seems a little complicated maybe, but that was the only thing I could think of to really tie in the notion of Wesley and his mother along with the of course the psy techie part of this episode, you know.
0: Yeah, I do I and I and I do I do like all that stuff too. I mean, I enjoy it. It 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 feels like you know, it feels like Star Trek. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um so, an episode that I think is at least trying to be about something, and that is worth so much, and it makes it hold up so much better, even if it misses it and doesn't, you know, doesn't quite hit all the the points that we wanted to. We're gonna get enough of that later in the season. Um, ready to move on? Yes. Okay, uh, Six Degrees for Evolution. Unfortunately, nobody in this episode came back, so we're not going to get traditional Six Degrees questions here, although we will for the other episodes today. Um, who wants the baseball question? You both, love <laughs> baseball, so you, you both love baseball, so you can fight over it. Uh,
1: Gosh.
2: You can have it, Steve. Oh,
1: oh how kind. All right.
0: Um, the baseball game Stubbs remembers in his quarters is the 1951 pennant race between the New York Giants and the Brooklyn Dodgers. Who won that game? Who won the game that he referenced?
1: Yes. Oh gosh. Well, it's it's
0: I can it's the one thing you guys are bigger baseball people than me, but it's the only thing like I've I've heard that little like the announcer screaming the words. Oh,
1: it was that game. Well, then yeah, the yeah. Uh, the um, the Giants. Right. The Giants are independent. The, the Giants yeah, are the yeah. pennant. Yep, that's the Shut game. around yeah. the world and such. Yeah. Yes, exactly.
0: That he's describing. The moment uh, when that guy's at bat for the shot hard round the roll. All right, uh, Adam. Yep. Robert Blackman takes over as the next-gen costume designer this season, including, so starting with this episode, really, giving us you and Steve's favorite collars. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I wasn't really making fun of it. I mean, I agree with you. I agree with you about the collars. <laughs> I, I prefer the show with the collars. The collars are on the list of things that make next-gen what I think of next-gen that we get this season. Okay. Uh, But anyway, Uh, so uh, Bob Blackman would be nominated for several Emmys during his time with Trek. He would win two. One of those wins was for 19th century clothing he created at the beginning of Next Gen's sixth season. Name the episode
2: 19th century. Um, I have no idea what the. I think it's either one or two episodes that I can think Is that the one where they go back with Guinan? I don't know the name of the episode. Yeah, that's it. Um, I think it has something to do with data, but I don't know the name of the episode.
1: Steve? Uh, time Zero, I assume part two, if it's starting the second season, the sixth C's. You are correct.
0: Time Zero, part two specifically.
1: All right, moving on. <laughs> the Ensigns of command season three episode two production number 149 original air date october 2nd 1989 directed by cliff bowl written by melinda m snodgrass music composed by dennis mccarthy guest cast include eileen seeley as adrian mckenzie mark l taylor as Heritath, richard allen as Carator, calm Mini as miles o'brien and mart mcchesney as Shellyak. <laughs>
2: The Enterprise receives a message from the Sheliak, who order their crew to remove all humans from the planet Tal Shial Five. According to the treaty, the planet belongs to the alien race who want to take control of their property, and have given the Federation four days to evacuate the men and women who now live there. If the Enterprise does not complete the task, the Sheliak will kill all the humans whom they consider vermin.
0: There are hundreds of Sheliak on the way, and their weapons are far more
1: powerful. They may not offer you a target, they can obliterate you from orbit. You will die, never having seen the faces of your killers. The choice
2: is yours.
0: All right, the Ensigns of Command. Uh, by the way, I looked it up. The Ensigns of Command is a reference to a John Quincy Adams' poem. And in this scenario, Ensigns means flag or symbol. Okay. okay. So... Not ensign like the Rank. Right. Um, It's funny, you know, because I remember this is one of those few episodes where I, God, I I honestly think I've only seen it the one time many years, many, many years ago. So I barely remembered it. um, And I was able to watch it pretty objectively uh, and I enjoyed it. And, And it's probably the kind of reason we were just talking about. Like maybe it's because it's, even if, even when an episode misses or, doesn't quite come off or feels dated or anything when it's about our characters, I'm probably going to enjoy it because I like these characters, especially data who doesn't love data. I mean, he's probably my favorite character <laughs> <on the> show. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. he's, it's obvious, but that's probably the true. He's probably my favorite character on this show uh, of the regulars. Um, so I, I found myself enjoying this one. What do you guys, what were your, what were your initial reactions here?
2: Um yeah, I would agree with you about data. I mean, it's so easy to do, um, to, do, to use data to kind of, for humanity, just to kind of play off the human condition, you know. Um, and um, they're always enjoyable to kind of see to see these types of episodes. I actually do remember this episode really well. I remember enjoying it when it first came out. I enjoyed it when I watched it just recently.
1: Yeah, I, I like it. I like it in general. I think there are some kind of silly things going on, if you know what I mean. Some of the, some of, it struck me, some of the stuff with the, Love and interest, we're going to call her. And Data get kind of I don't know tiresome a little bit, but overall, I dig it. I like, I like the, I like the ploys. I like clever ploys by our main characters. You know, Data has his moment with that. Picard has his moment with that. You know, um, and uh, I like, I like some of the conversation, the like the leadership lessons we get early on with Picard and Data. Also, the communication discussion, like with Troy and Picard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so
0: we see we see data do some things that we haven't seen him do before. Uh, I I agree with you. You know that's one of the few things that kind of held it back here for me was his his stuff with um I can't remember the character's name now. Uh, his little android lover. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think it's there, apparently there were other drafts of the script where there was a lot more of it. Maybe that would have worked better. You know either either full on do it or just don't do it at all. But it's mm-hmm. so like they tiptoe with it that it. You know, for example, another later episode. You know, the the one where uh, Data dates that woman. Um, mm-hmm. There, uh, it's incredibly enjoyable and satisfying, and advances the character because they focus on it so much and they give it the time it really deserves. Um, but just these couple of little scenes with a little kiss or something. Yeah, I think if if they'd either just done it not at all or just went whole hog on it, I would have. It would have might have worked a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, but you yeah. know. Mostly this is about uh, data, Um, you know, learning to be, I guess, a better leader. But it's more about, you know, part of being human is social interaction and and learning how to interact with people. Um, And in this case, he's learning it's not necessarily about lying, but – yeah, like they say at the beginning, sometimes too much honesty is bad. You, you know, maybe it's about f- focusing on those things that are actually going to matter most, uh, even if it doesn't seem like the most logical choice. Um, things that are going to matter most to different individuals. Um, yeah, and, and then the Gosman—he's he's such a shallow kind of character. It's it's just like such an obvious and simple. Well, the leader of these people who's pushing, who's not going to listen. You know, it, mm-hmm. I guess I, I, feel like we've just seen that so many times. Um, and then it made, makes it worse that of course that for some weirdo reason that he was ADR'd the whole time. And again, I tried looking this up and I could not figure out why all I found was um, that he quote had to be unquote, you know, uh, looped the whole time. So the actor that played the character requested they take his name off the show since they looped him the whole time. Kind of understand that, and it it just feels cheesy. Like every single time I see him speaking, is like ah, what? Who am I hearing? This is not that mm-hmm, person. Mm-hmm. You know. So if you're going to ADR people, at least do it well. Cause it's, <laughs> yeah, it's very, yeah, yeah. Very poor job. I wish there was a good reason for it. You can't even. It's not like every single. Maybe there was just a couple of pivotal scenes. Well, that wouldn't make any sense because then you would have him ADR himself. Right. So so I I have no idea why they did it. They must have. If they hated his voice, why did they cast him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So that that holds it back too. So already, I think the characters, stereotypical and a bit shallow, and um, then it just makes it makes it kind of grating every time he speaks. But these are these are minor things, you know. I I I probably enjoy this episode overall more than well, I don't know. Survivors is Survivors has a lot of cool ideas too. So yeah, I mean, it's it's this is a, a solid episode and it's enjoyable because it's a data episode. Um, and how many times have we had data as an away team of one, you know, ever Mm -hmm. that is cool. It's cool. Whenever he contacts Riker and he's trying to explain the situation, Riker is his superior officer. It's not like he's going to Picard. He's going to the guy that's right above him and he's explaining the situation. He's kind of asking for help. And Riker's like, I can't help you. I don't know these people. I'm not there. I can't come there. We have other things going on. Just, you know, I'm sorry. You're going to have to figure it out. I like that. I like that it really sets up these, they do a very good job of of setting up, you know, setting the stage here of the the consequences for what's going to happen if data can't pull things off and, and for putting data in a situation where it really is him and only him. And he's got to figure it out and he's got to make it work, you know? Uh, So I, I, I enjoy that and I enjoy what he ends up choosing to be his solution, where he takes that action, you know, and he, he, um, like the show of force, uh, you know, The comparison, it says, look, if I can do this with one little phaser set to stun, just think what hundreds of Sheliac can do from space with, mm-hmm. <laughs> with much more powerful weapons. Um, so, you know, it, it, that is satisfying and good. And, and although the story, once everything's set up, it doesn't really, it doesn't, it, 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 you know, you're kind of ahead of it. You know how it's going to yeah. end up and stuff. Um, I still enjoy watching it. And Steve, you mentioned, like, Picard has his little moments, too. And that stuff's cool. That that moment when he finally knows he's got the celiac, and he kind of takes mm-hmm. his time to answer, and he walks over there and brushes some dust off the dedication mm-hmm. plaque, you know? <laughs> that's Yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's fun. And frankly, it's a little, tiny little moment, but somebody had to write that into the script. Mm-hmm. There's no dialogue here. Picard just... Takes some time. They had to shoot that and they had to choose to edit that into their precious 46 minute show. <laughs> you know, that's cool. I like that. And it's completely 110% Patrick Stewart's acting, right? There's yeah. nothing else going on there. Okay. Um, I can't think of a lot of other moments in Star Trek that do that. Certainly not before this. So I, I enjoy that. I think that's cool. I like that. I even like, and this is the last, I'm, I'm, again, I'm talking a lot today. I don't know why. I, I even like uh, how. Um, Jordy and is it O'Brien? I think are trying to. Oh, by the way, O'Brien does play the cello. See? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jordy and O'Brien are trying to come up with this way to use the transporters. Uh, and we cut back to that several times. And they don't pull it off. They're yeah. unable to come up with a solution. It's the mm-hmm. impossible, and they can't do it. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of cool because you would think that probably happens a fair amount. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's again, it's one of those little things that's that. Makes Trek feel real to a Trekker like myself. And I, I like that. I don't want him to do that all the time, but I
2: think that's cool that they. I, 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 like, I like the scene where Picard comes in there, like, Well, how's it going, gentlemen? Oh, yeah. <laughs> walks out. Yeah. <laughs> he just yeah. Has that one wide shot. Yeah. So like, the, he wants the impossible. That's the small definition of Captain.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's a fine line. You mentioned how these kind of day in the life moments and a thing. And, you know, I know we spoke of an episode not long ago last season that had a lot of that that I know n- I didn't dig it was like too much of that you know i mean it's a fine line because if you're not advancing this story in some respect then it gets tiresome and it feels like a soap opera um but uh a little bit of it helps you feel close to the characters and we're certainly seeing this killer character development and such
0: it works here in the idea that a it's like almost like a c storyline so Mm -hmm. it's a very minor thing and and b um i'm doing a lot of letters here (laughs) and b it makes sense that that Picard would attack these issues on every possible front. While you guys are working on that, I'm going to try and use diplomacy. While I'm doing that, Data is going to be down. You know, we're doing all these things, and mm-hmm. maybe everything doesn't work. But if enough of these things work, that we get through, we're great. We're golden. You know, um, so that I guess that's what I'm getting at specifically. In that, it feels kind of real because you would think that they would attack these situations with multiple avenues, and maybe not everything's going to work. Um, but yeah, I can see what you're saying, and this is probably the best example where you've got something like that because that, that feels not tiresome. I and mean, we still feel like we've advanced things because we literally did with the A and the B, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um.
2: Well, I kind of, I enjoy the contrast between the A and the B, how, how they, they do match. But there's, um, you know, where Data has to use, he has to improvise. He has to think his way out of it. Um, where Picard, he has to use the law. So I like the contrast between theirs. You know, they're both having to solve a problem, but in different ways. Um, and I, sure in that respect, of that.
0: it it illustrates why Data is the A story and Picard is the B story. Because for Data, he actually has to grow as a character to solve uh-huh. his problem. Oh yeah, that's probably not really true with Picard. Um, he's not right. really uh, doing that. But it's it's still satisfying. But if they'd spent more time on that, and he hadn't grown, and it had been the data stuff had been the B bee story, uh, then it would have felt much less satisfying. Kind of like yeah. um, two episodes back in um, from the end of the second season, when mm-hmm. I mean, they have the war games. Yeah. Um, hmm. what's this episode about, guys?
1: Well, I think we kind of touched on it there a moment ago, when Adam was addressing the relationship between the A and the B story. I think for me, the commonality is. Um, is the is the is basically that different cultures different people sometimes it's a challenge to uh, find the best way to communicate and to get a point across or work with somebody you know it takes it takes uh, it takes effort it takes research sometimes but you have to uh, sometimes uh, you have to it takes a lot of time to find common ground but ultimately it is possible with you know if you're creative and such
2: Adam. Um, yeah, I agree with Steve and kinda of what I what I was mentioning earlier. Um it's um growing as a person or as an android in, in Data's case. And um you do see him grow. Um you do see him have to think creatively and they kinda of wrap that up there um at the end in the end scene when Picard and Data are in his, his radio room and they and they talk about um you know, Picard's talking to Data about how he has to how he innovated with his his music style, combining two, two different um. Two different styles of violin violinists to into into one, and you know Data kind of realizes that he does have a creative side, and we're we're going to have to start to see more of that um more and more of that going forward, and it's going to be an interesting, human um adventure with him, and I think that's why we all probably at least you and me, Brian, I think we. In, probably Steve too we really enjoy the data stories because it's mm-hmm. it's where, where you can kind of see the the human qualities and inspirations that that we love about Star Trek
0: well it's no surprise of course that this episode was written by Snodgrass same person that wrote Measure of a Man uh, if I'm correct there aren't I Steve this was Melinda yes, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. so uh, you know same person that wrote Measure of a Man another one of our I mean probably one of our favorite data episodes we like this episode it a good episode yes
2: yeah
1: definitely would it would it have worked as a season two episode it would have been like the star of the show and last <laughs> season, you know they just like this mm-hmm. um it, yeah i you know i think i think we've already kind of alluded to this that there is a line drawn here where these feel differently even when they're not the best episodes they feel different it starts feeling like a season three onward you know so i'm not sure we can say if it would, would or would not work Earlier, but certainly it would stand out because of the way they try to change their pack. Yeah, the line will be drawn here. No further.
0: <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, six degrees for ensigns of command. Uh, we got Steve's got two. Uh, Adam, you going first or second?
2: Um, Steve, can go first.
0: Steve, Mark L. Taylor plays. Harata, the first colonist to find data, and one of his timid early supporters. In Voyager's third season in the episode Displaced, he played Jarleth, another prisoner held on a or a prisoner held on a Nerian biosphere ship. Um, he's a prisoner along with Voyager's crew, also prisoners. Uh, Jarleth had found a way to jump between his desert environment and the Voyager crew's different environment. Janeway and her crew would use his method to escape their confinement. How was Jarleth getting between environments?
1: Oh gosh, I remember this vaguely, um, but I, uh, I I don't I don't really recall. Adam,
0: I have no idea. Yeah, this was a tough one. Uh, portals, portals. Okay. Uh, Adam, Richard Allen plays Kentor, the other colonist that agrees with Data though he too waits until it is nearly too late to challenge Goshavin, In Next Gen's fifth season, he played the commander of a Temerian ship while its captain, Captain Dathon, was on the planet's surface below communicating with Picard in Metaphors. Name the episode. One of my favorite episodes, many people's.
2: Yeah, I know the episode. It's a really great episode. Oh, uh, well...
0: It's the name of the episode is a reference to the primary metaphor that Captain Daython tells about the story.
2: I have no idea, no clue. I know the episode very well, but I don't know the name of it.
1: Steve it Darmok.
0: You're correct.
2: It was Darmok. Uh,
1: three zero. Moving on. <laughs> the survivors season three episode three production number 151 original air date october 9th 1989 directed by les landau written by michael wagner music composed by dennis mccarthy guest cast include john anderson as kevin uxbridge and ann haney as rashawn uxbridge
2: After answering a distress call from a remote Federation planet under attack, the crew of the Enterprise are shocked to discover that all but two of 11,000 inhabitants have been killed. Beaming down down to the planet, the away team finds that the planet has been obliterated, except for a patch of land where an undamaged home still stands. Inside, they meet the sole survivors of the attack, an an elderly couple who cannot explain why they survived the devastation and refuse to leave. The colony. Why did you try to hide this from all of us? Was it out of guilt for not helping Rishon and the others when they were alive? No, 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 no. You, you don't understand the scope of my crime. I didn't kill just one Husnak or a hundred or a thousand. I killed them all. Um, uh, <clears throat> I like the little trap. <laughs> I don't know who this top person was but that looked like that hurt when they slammed into the oh man yeah
0: (laughs) when Riker goes upside down
1: in the yard yeah Yeah. it's probably the same guy who did the scientist in that other episode he just like (laughs) knocked around it's like flung me into the pole (laughs) pinball machine I um I think this is fun I think this is a fun one the primary reason for me is that it's a mystery and I think it's you know mysteries are fun i think that's the initially why it's entertaining i mean why it's entertaining if nothing else i mean i like the episode overall but i think that's always sticks out in my mind is that kind of where are we going with this what's the story you know and having to figure that out you know
0: I, I like that it kind of becomes a picard episode as he as he's obviously the leader of the ship but um he's kind of the one that's figuring it out mm-hmm. so it kind of becomes his episode by, by the end and um you know, yeah, it's one of those few times where I feel like he's ahead of me. Like if I haven't – oh, I haven't figured it out yet, but Picard has, and it's still genuine. Like I don't feel like once they actually give you the solutions to the mystery, you're like, oh, well, that's a cheat for this reason or that reason. No, I mean it's 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 good and it's heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I like the mystery
1: aspects of it too, definitely. It- yeah, the one thing that I think was strange about that, I understand story-wise why it's done, but it always struck me as uh, just kind of a bad choice. Is that he's totally going it alone. I mean, he, he you you think that he'd inform right In reality, mm-hmm. here at Riker, here's my theory. The reason is, is because he's taking some rash actions. I mean, he's basically on the surface allowing people to be killed. You know. Uh, stopping the pursuit of an enemy vessel, all these kinds of things that would raise questions, and if he's wrong, if he happened to have been wrong, you know, or, or big problems, you know.
0: Well, and of course, also, uh, narratively, if he explained it all right then, it wouldn't be very interesting for us to watch, watch right. to, to so, discover the mystery. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Um, in some ways, this episode reminds me of original series, kind of, mm-hmm. a little bit. Just a little bit like the way this the way you've got this this um, big ultimate kind of mystery that they are figuring out. Um, it's interesting that you've got uh, this guy, this Kevin Uxbridge, who is such a passionate passionate pacifist that he he will not even help to save his wife. And he makes it clear, you know that that's that's who he is. Despite the fact that he loves her so much, he's been with her so long that when she dies, his instinctive response is one of such anger that he mm-hmm. kills. What do they say? Fifty billion people or something? something
1: like that. Yeah, something. I
0: mean, it's something nut. It's got to be the most in the his in yeah. all of Star Trek ever. Hearing about people killed. That that's the most ever, right? I mean, yeah. it's got to be um, an entire species just removed forever. Uh, it's also you know, frightening that this dowed species then would be so powerful I mean it's absurd yeah they're, yeah
2: they're kind of Q like almost
0: yeah probably more powerful than that maybe
1: I don't know who knows yeah
0: well I don't I mean yeah obviously he doesn't have the ability to bring people back from the dead or he would maybe he would have done that for his wife because, mm-hmm. because this the woman that's with him is like a, a recreation, right? He's, right. They, they okay. kind of
1: established that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So maybe from that point of view, a cue could be more powerful because they could bring them out or something. I don't know. Um, but I, I love. It, 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 this episode was always memorable for me. Like I, I remember the one with the Uxbridge's. You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's something about like that image of this wasteland with one little house with a green yard. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always memorable and it's another one of those where that the card game, the customizable card game uh wasn't like kevin uxbridge like a very Bible powerful card? card yeah yeah <laughs> I, I always remember that too what could he do i can't remember his card his card well uh, it's
1: those cards that could negate a certain total classification of a card i don't remember which one it was <laughs> but it basically like that card can knock out an, any other card of a certain variety or whatever yeah. yeah it was
0: almost like too powerful if you had it yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know Uh, but Uh, another thing strikes me in this one is that and I you all might disagree I don't know what but for me it's like uh, Marina Sirtis has come a long way since episode one with the pain and writhing around crazy I mean you know she has to deal with a lot of stuff going on but I bought it you know I felt that you know she's struggling through this and has to kind of go over the top a little bit given the nature of what's going on but uh, I I thought she did a good job
0: Uh, yeah I, I agree um if they wanted to really like sell it, they would have had to have somehow been able to play that music way louder. Than, yeah, like, yeah. Like blowing out my stereo speakers or something. just so sort of, You know, because I think that's what it was supposed to be like. Yeah. Like she, it was just so loud in her mind and she couldn't get it out. Um, uh, but, but yeah, you're right. That's a good point because compare it to the way she reacts in like the pilot going overboard with the emotions you know it's it is it is almost humorous in that pilot but but here yeah, I buy it yeah um i I've always liked her I've always thought she does really great work you know that pilot in the first couple seasons she she's finding herself' just as much as everybody else is it's just her character has to wear certain things on her sleeve in a way that the other characters don't so maybe it makes it more obvious uh when she's not quite found it. Than the other characters, but yeah, this is a this is a great example. Even compared to uh, the season two opener, so just oh, yeah. one year earlier of the child, um, which is an episode where you know we're focusing on her and some of her emotions and things, and and there were times there when maybe it was over the top, but here, yeah, I pretty much buy it. By the way, that reminds me, it's just a kind of gentle aside. Again, I will take any like season three episode and going forward, all the next-gen stuff. These are the episodes I like because they're about our characters over the first couple seasons. However, from here on out, I am going to kind of start to ever so slightly lament the lack of... I'm not trying to insult it here. The lack of almost like cinematic vision. It's going to be good for the rest of the show. Occasionally, it'll be great. Mostly, it's gonna it's gonna be fine. Stuff like camera moves, for example, mm. you know, things that kind of pull me into the scene and things like that. You know, you think about the first couple of seasons, guys like Rick Bowman. Rick Bowman is that his first name? What's what's Bowman's first name? Oh, oh well, Bowman. I now mm-hmm. I can't. I'm not sure if Rick is his first name. Anyway, guys like Bowman. The way he directs, I mean, it's like a hundred—it's like a hundred million dollar movie. The way the camera yeah. moves around and stuff, mm-hmm. and he plans that stuff out. And there's so much work and time and effort put into that. Um, and then you get episodes like like these today, where there's just a lot of pretty standard, um, you know, medium close-ups, close-ups, wide shots, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very subtle difference. It's the kind of thing I think in maybe not even thinking about, and maybe if you watch them side by side. It's also part of the natural change, the way the show looks. They just start to really brighten it up. You know, a lot of the stuff in season two, especially because I mentioned the child, like the child, there's a lot of much darker things. Um, So we're going to just kind of slowly kind of lose that, and that's never going to be what the show is known for. Who knows what maybe if we could have had that along with character stuff. Mm. But, you know, fine. It's okay. It's a minor thing, and and, um, I'm probably not even going to think about it again after just a couple episodes from now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Because seven days a week, I'll take shows about our characters. Um, But anyway, it did pop in my head when I was was watching this episode. Mm -hmm.
1: Um,
0: So mostly this episode just feels good to me, like I said, because it becomes like this it becomes like this Picard episode, and he's using his kind of wit and intelligence. And then even at the end, it's Picard that goes down there. Or no, he doesn't go down. But it's Picard that, that confronts Kevin Oxbridge.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: you mm-hmm. know, and it's kind of between the two of them. So, what do you guys think about this this concept of you know when he says you know of, of his actions that he destroyed this entire what are they called Hosnock? Hosnock. Husnock, Husnock yeah Hosnock. you know you don't understand the scope of my crime I killed them all you know. Mm-hmm.
1: Um I think it's startling. Yeah, I mean obviously I know yeah there's no surprise anymore, but I remember it originally feeling startling and it's still very dramatic how it's presented. It's just like wow, you know, boom, you know, the hitch with it.
2: Adam. Um I think I remember at the time it's you know, at the time it was kind of startling, you know, got complete genocide. Um Yeah, I think it was a little bit startling at the time. Obviously, you know Seeing it several times since then, it's it's not really a surprise. But at the time, I remember it being a little bit surprising when he said, "I know I killed all of them," especially the way they set it up. You know, he's you know such a pacifist, and you know he just kind of snapped and went all the way.
1: Yeah, you hear his story, so you, and you sympathize with him. You get you're totally sympathetic with him when they reveal that. Oh, and then I killed an entire race, of people, fifty billion or whatever. You know, it's uh, you know, it throws you.
0: Yeah, and you don't, and maybe you don't know how to react in the same way that Picard doesn't. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, there's gotta be some element of Picard's, you know, Picard has to bit about the, I'm not sure if he should be praised or condemned or they should be left alone. Um, because, you know, the Federation is not, I don't remember what he says, something like equipped to judge you or, or, yeah, something like that. Something like that. But, but, you know, I mean, that's, that's really that, that level of that, that, that confused reaction that you were just talking about, Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, there's got to be—I mean, this isn't something the show's about at all—but there's got to be some level of fear too. Like, mm-hmm. let's not piss this guy off. <laughs> we'll yeah, yeah. let's just leave him alone. Yeah, you know. Um, uh, what's this episode about?
1: You know, I struggled a little bit with that. Um, though I. It, felt sure, it, was, it feels like it's
0: trying to be about something, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, and, and the only thing I come up with, and I felt a little convoluted, it was one of those to me, I felt like when at the end I was feeling like this was good, and I have trouble finding out what it's about, so it could be such a thing that it's one of these that's good in spite of the fact, you know, I think because it's such a conceptually good science fiction kind of story, sometimes we see that kind of phenomenon. But if anything, for me, what it's about is kind of comes back to that confused reaction a little bit and the notion that sometimes we encounter things that we, that they're they're contradictions and we can't can't comprehend the scope of the situation and we have no choice but to accept that we cannot fathom it. That's for me what it ended up with, but I could be totally off base. Well, yeah, I mean, if it's a mystery show... It's hard for mysteries to really be
0: about something, right? It, you know, mysteries are about solving the mystery, and that's most of the episode. And it isn't kind of till right near the end that we get, you know, what was really going on, uh, Kevin's great crime, all that kind of stuff. So, even if, if let's say, if the the meaning is in there somewhere, it's it's percentage-wise, such a small portion of the show. Um, Adam, what what do you got for what it's about?
2: Um. I struggled as well. I mean, you know, there's kind of like a morality code. I mean, you know, they, they, they kind of hinted that with, with Kevin early on about, you know, his pacifism and, you know, not fighting and kind of hinted at that. And then obviously with this great crime that he has to live with that, that, that there isn't a punishment, you know, um, it's kind of hard to pinpoint. I know, I know there, I kind of agree with Steve. It's, Hard, hard for me to kind of pinpoint and say exactly what it's about. This episode kind of, it is a mystery. You know, it's and, you know, a lot of moral issues involved with it towards the end.
0: Worf, as always, got the funny lines to <laughs> <laughs> Yep.
2: Worf gets the great one-liners. Yeah.
0: Good tea. Nice house.
2: <laughs>
0: How long I does like help I like I like Guile. Yeah, you know, you could probably, if, assuming you have, you had a driver bring you in that day. He could probably have memorized his lines in the car on the way to the set. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then I think another thing that makes this episode stand out is that they actually go on location. Mm-hmm. They're actually outside. There's actual grass. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't get that a lot in next gen, certainly. Um, so I shot that in Malibu, by the way. The exterior of that house. Oh, okay. Uh, all right, moving on. Six degrees for the survivors. Uh, I believe Steve has three. Um, Adam, I'll give you the choice again, first or second. I'll go second. Steve Ann Haney plays Rishon Uxbridge, Kevin's kind wife, that turns out to actually no longer be with us. In DS9's first season, she played Els Renora, the Bajoran arbiter deciding Dax's fate regarding crimes her previous host allegedly committed in the episode titled Dax. This episode was co-written by one of the premiere writers of the original series. She happened to be a woman, so she used her initials to avoid sexism in the 1960s. Name her. Oh, uh,
1: well, I'm assuming that it's uh, D.C. Fontana.
0: You're correct, it's D.C. Fontana. Adam, this Next Gen episode is called The Survivors. One of the first episodes of the animated series had a title with a very similar name to this one. What was it?
2: I uh, no idea. Well, you can guess. The, um... Something similar to The Survivors. Um... Something similar to The Survivor's. Mm. Sorry. Um, my brain's scrambled. It's in Let's other see. places. Go for it.
1: Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe The Survivor? You're correct. It was okay. The
0: Survivor. All right. Uh, so there we have the first three episodes of season three uh listeners um bear with us we just want to spend just a couple of minutes i know this isn't really our thing if you're a pure star trek guy thanks for joining us and we'll catch you in two weeks but we've all watched superman recently and uh, i was curious about your guys' thoughts we, spoilers are acceptable so if you haven't seen superman um the new film that just came out uh by Zack snyder and no chris nolan um then you should stop now um <laughs> did you guys like it i i i wanted to talk about it with you guys because i I really, I loved it. I thought it was great.
1: Yeah, I did really like it. I've seen it twice actually. I saw it. Wow. I saw it the first weekend, and then I saw it this weekend as well because I was with some people that had not seen it. So I, I liked it enough to like, sure, I'll go see it again. Yeah. Um, it held up that second time too. Yeah, I, I believe so. Uh, and, now, and, and I'm a big Superman fan. Now I'm not talking that I, I follow the comics all the time, but growing up, I was. I was always a Superman fan as far as superhero types and whatnot. I was a big fan of the, uh, as dates me, I know, but the <laughs> the uh, Christopher Reeve movies and the, and the original Absolutely. one in the 70s, you know, the, the first one especially, of course.
0: Especially, um, it's because the first one was so good that it really held the sequels, which weren't as good, and each one got worse. Yeah. But still, the first one was so good <laughs> that we were <laughs> still going to see those sequels, I'm
1: Yeah, to- yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't... No, I I I haven't. I don't know. There's nothing bad to say. I mean, obviously, there's a whole lot of themes there. There's a lot of things one could we could we could analyze. This is one of the things you could talk a long time. uh, The analysis of some things to say, Um, and then also there are just certain things I like the the way they were done. The way the slight nonlinear format of it, and that kept the father figures in the story the whole time, which I thought was very clever. And I also liked. Uh, and, then, and then on the other, other flip side of it, I loved the opening, whatever, 15, 20 minutes where we get so much of this Krypton so awesome. stuff. I mean, we're that going, so like, man, incredible. this is oh thing, you know, this whole big opening, you know, in Krypton. Yeah, I, I dug the whole thing. It yeah, great. it felt like there was more production value and time and money
0: put into the opening 20 minutes <laughs> than all the other Superman movies put together. And I, <laughs> I love the, the first one. With the exception of, I do wish they would cut out the, can you read my mind? You know, <laughs> hell yeah, yeah, With that single exception, you know, uh, Dick Donner's Superman, late 70s, is the movie that made comic book movies real forever. Yeah, uh, And I, I still love watching that movie. Um, but this movie blew me away. And I, I think the biggest reason for me was it felt more like, more like a comic book, more like a soup, soup from the comic than I've ever seen or more more to the point than I thought could ever be realized mm. on a screen. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam, did you <laughs> – I know you saw it last
2: night. I haven't heard a peep from you. Did you hate it? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, no, I, I, no, I really enjoyed it. I only had a couple of complaints about it, just the, the end. Since you guys – I'll throw in my things that I didn't obviously didn't ruin the movie for me. I thought the uh, – the, I didn't like the end battle scene. That's the only thing I really didn't like about it. The whole fight Between scene. Him with him yeah. I felt like I was watching the end of matrix again, but other than that, I really enjoyed it. Um, um, I liked that. They, they did something a little bit different with, um, you know, normally you see Superman, you see Clark first. Um, and in, th- in this case, you, you see more Superman first. So I'll be interested to see how they go. They move forward with it. Um, I, you know, because you know, obviously, at the very end scene, you know, he's going to the the Daily Planet and he's going to work there. And um, I'm I'm assuming that you know she's got to know who he is. I hopefully they don't play that whole little mystery off. I like, I would li- I would like that they just drop that that they just know who he I, is. And I'm not yeah, sure where well, they're gonna does. go with that. She I think does. That's and, really
0: cool that she that she knows, and that's very different from anything we've seen before. That she knows uh, right now,
2: totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Um. Yeah. The. Um, the whole opening scene was was great um on the planet yeah um I kind of still have to kind of soak more of it in obviously um I just saw it last night um yeah, um like i said it, it kind of has that that feeling you know this you know it's they 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 wanted to reboot it and start it all up again, and i i kind of i really liked what they did with it
0: it's know? it's cool because if if somebody were to say what would chris know i mean it's a zach zack snyder movie and it definitely feels like he directed it you know mm-hmm. um compared to his other movies but it just as far as conceiving the character of superman on screen if somebody were to say what would chris nolan's version be i'm not sure i would have had an answer but now i know i have seen it like i'm like yep that's it yeah, yeah. you know it, it, well, it is I- really cool if, if and it, as much as you can make something that is total fantasy be feel real i think that they pulled it off and and you know, compared to, say, Batman, that in some way maybe sort of could actually happen if you had somebody that was rich enough or skilled enough in all these things, maybe sort of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it's, it's more of a stretch to say, you know, Planet Krypton is really going to happen, <laughs> um, but it, 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 it's, it's the closest thing to uh, reality that I think you could get out of Superman, and, and I, was, I really wasn't, I guess I was hoping for that, I just didn't realize it could be so well pulled on, realized and pulled off.
2: Um, you know, it that there's some theme there's some similarities between this and Batman begins. You know, the you know both Bruce Wayne and Clark, they kinda go on their wayward journey to kind of find themselves. <laughs> um so there are those similarities in the storylines which I enjoyed. Um
1: Yeah.
0: My only my, my only kind of minor complaint, and I'm I'm hoping that I'm gonna see it a second time, and I'm hoping when I see it a second time. I, this bothers me less. It's very minor. My only minor complaint is I didn't really feel like uh, what's her name, Amy Adams and Henry Cavill, Cavill, Cavill. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like they really had any had very much chemistry. And of course that's one of the things that made, you know, the greatest thing about Dick Donner's Superman is is Chris Reeve's yeah, portrayal of not just Superman, but the way like the way he played Clark Kent, but he played that character so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Margot Kidder, yeah, Margot Kidder her lois and then their chemistry together was so strong. Mm-hmm. I never really felt like that here. We don't the movie moves so fast. I don't get to see Henry Cavill all that much in character yeah. playing, playing this character. I don't I I don't get to see Amy Adams doing a whole lot. I certainly don't get to see them together very much. I mean it, it's just it, the chemistry maybe so maybe that's something they could fix for the next movie because they're going to have to spend a little more time with these actors as these characters, or maybe it's something I won't even notice or care about on a second viewing, I'm not sure.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, like, that's what, what I was saying before, there's not any, there's not, you know, when you watch those movies, there's a, there's two separate characters with Superman, and it's the Clark Kent and the Superman character. I didn't feel like there were two. He was just one character in this film, and I guess maybe they'll spend more time separating the two going forward, so maybe that's kind of why you felt like there wasn't a lot of time to make that, that chemistry jump.
1: Yeah, I hear you. I hear you about the chemistry. And, and for the time being, for me, I, it's almost like I have to give them the benefit of the doubt simply because there's just no time to to dwell on that in this. I mean, you know, we don't, they, yes, they have conversation, but most of the time they're flying all over creation and crazy stuff's going on around them. I don't know. There's a, you know, so I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying on their, their, uh, their chemistry but I'll, I'll be I'll certainly be interested to see in the sequel how this actor portrays Clark Kent and how we do that because I agree those act it's almost like it's almost like uh, this character this Clark Kent Superman he, he's an actor you know that character is an actor because he had when he plays at least from what we've seen in other incarnations Clark Kent is something very different than Superman and that's part of the disguise and so we'll see how he handles that
0: Well, as a Star Trek fan it was a little. This is this is the best movie of the summer for me. I, I I'm gonna be shocked if I like anything more than this. And unfortunately, that includes Star Trek Into Darkness. I, I yes, I enjoy Superman more than Star Trek Into Darkness.
2: Well, um, the, well, the the big villain. Did you enjoy Zod's, the Return of Zod, more than you? I did
0: love Michael Shannon. Let me tell you, <laughs> we, we are we're hooked on Boardwalk Empire. Uh, because, and he's a big part of that, and then I've seen all the movies that he's done the last couple of years, that, uh, what was the one where, it was, Take Shelter, that's a great movie, and he is so, yeah, last five minutes, notwithstanding, but that's a great movie, and he is so freaking good in Take Shelter, if you haven't seen Take Shelter, and you're a Michael Shannon fan, check that movie out, it's so good, and uh, he's so incredible in it, and I thought he was perfect as odd. I love Terrence Stamp, um, mm-hmm. but uh, this guy he was felt- scary. This yeah, Zod you felt was he scared.
2: was evil. You felt he yeah. was just darn... Well, I mean, I, you know, and you, you kind of had to sympathize with him a little bit because you under, I like the whole, you know, they were all biologically created. So, in a way, he was, you know, he kind of explained this all at the end, the Zod character, that his sole purpose was to protect, um, you know, mm-hmm. to protect, and that's how he yeah. was created. And, and um, you know, I didn't feel a lot of sympathy for him, but I can see where the evil was driven, His, his, his kind of his madness. And um, it was very cool. Um Unlike Khan, who wasn't that evil in Star Trek. But mm-hmm. we won't go there. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, and and last thing I'd say about this, you know, I, I think everyone knows who's listening. I'm in the Kansas City area. The local references were fun, especially him wearing yeah. a royal shirt.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I, I see. When I saw that scene, I was like, oh, Steve's going to like this movie. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. wow,
1: you know.
2: Oh, well, trust me. I always enjoy Chicago getting blown up. There's plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, that's right between uh batman chicago and uh superman at kansas you guys are covered <laughs> all right well uh listeners uh thanks for indulging us there um i was excited to talk about superman i'm glad you guys were too um i got
2: one quick thing to say and then you can wrap up um congratulations to the chicago blackhawks sorry i've been watching it they just won the stanley cup all right go ahead brian <laughs> stanley cup all right Mm-hmm. Hey, we did have that in no, LA a couple years ago.
0: We won. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. So we'll be back in two weeks. We're going to do the next three episodes of Next Gen's third season. It's only getting better from here, folks. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. That's at Trek Companion. Our Facebook listener page is facebook.com slash Companion. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Uh, until next time, take it easy. Good night. Bye.